Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Life Church. First of all, I'm going to apologize. I think my mic was on during worship and when my husband was speaking, and I'm yes and amen, amening him over there, and I was like, is that the voice of heaven, like speaking? <laughs> and I realized it was me, so I pulled it away after that, and then he made me cry, because he always does when he speaks about godly things. So hello, if you don't know who I am, I am uh, Pastor Becky Alcantar. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and I'm also the director of a program that we facilitate called Journey to Wholeness, and today we continue our series in Matthew chapter 6 of the Bible. Now, if you don't have a traditional Bible with you and you would like one, please raise your hands. My friends are coming up now and they would love to give you one to use or to keep. Um, Of course, you can also log into the Bible app as well on your phone. There we've uploaded all the notes and scriptures for you. And of course, we'll put everything on the screens here today. So, If you know me, I'm a steps and procedures kind of person. I love the practical, the science, the logic, the reasoning side of things. I love to delve into the how and why, to recalibrate, to course correct and find a solution. It's why for 25 years I was an accountant and auditor. Please don't hold it against me. And Journey to Wholeness was born out of that practicality, to work out that stuck, frustrated, helpless feeling that I especially felt when I would turn to someone for help to get some answers, and instead, they would tell me to pray. No, don't get me wrong. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is and can be sufficient. But when you ask someone to pray when they don't have a working definition or knowledge of the seemingly ambiguous and abstract concept, when they are already in the depths of despair and God feels distant and the Holy Spirit is just foreign, it's like sending a thirsty person out into the wilderness to find a well without a map. This is how I often felt when it came to prayer. Even in the last month, as I dived into this concept and this thought, talking about this, I just thought how unworthy, how unprepared, how clumsy, how incompetent, how awkward I am when it comes to prayer. See, I have stumbled through prayer, wondering if it had done anything, if God had heard me, if I had done it right, and instead of finding help in prayer, I ended up feeling even more discouraged and disappointed. And if I'm really being honest, I have often doubted if prayer did any good at all. I resented when someone asked me to pray about my chronic condition, the health battles, the anger, the depression, the anxiety, the addiction that was weighing me down because it was pretty apparent that they didn't have an answer. Which is precisely why they were redirecting me to the comfort, power, and healing that comes with connecting with God in prayer. See, in Romans chapter 8, we read the Apostle Paul himself saying, we do not know how to pray how we should. And in Luke, we find the disciples feeling the same way. They say Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response, Jesus showed them how to pray a kingdom prayer, which is what we're talking about in today's message. Teach us to pray. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and our minds to the word that you have for us today. 
We trust you, and we trust your intentions for us are good to bring us wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, insight. We perceive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're just joining us this week in this series, we have been going through the section of the book of Matthew entitled Sermon on the Mount. It's a series of teachings Jesus taught his disciples, and in it, he's giving them the fundamentals, the building blocks, painting a picture and modeling for them the kingdom of God. So in Matthew 6, Jesus spends significant time teaching his disciples how to pray. In verse 9, he starts saying this, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, many versions of the Bible call this the Lord's Prayer, but also the model prayer. And so our proclivity is to hold it as a formula, a checklist, something to rigidly recite. But when we do, we diminish the power and intent of this prayer. So today, I want to take you to the mountaintop, the 30,000-foot view as we do in Journey to Wholeness, the picture around this prayer. See, the words Jesus used here, and Rabbi Matt would be very proud of me for saying this, weren't novel or new. In fact, the disciples would have recognized them to be the very words they were taught to pray in Deuteronomy. Prayers that affirm their faith in the one true God, prayers of praise, like Pastor Dean talked to us about, that acknowledge God's pursuit to make us whole. They were so essential to their faith and knowledge of God that they were prompted in Deuteronomy 6 to tie them as symbols on their hands, bind them to their foreheads, write them on the door frames of their houses and their gates. Why? So that they would never forget the intimate and covenant relationship of loyalty and faithfulness that God had made with his people. In a time where Near East cultures offered liturgical and ceremonial prayers to distant deities, Jewish prayers were distinct because they were made to Yahweh. The God who was so intimately close to his people, they not only carried his image, but also his breath, ruach, spirit, which had and still gave them life. Now, it would have reminded them of the God of the garden in Genesis who walked with his creation, who was eager to listen, who was conversational, and who delighted in relationship with us, which is what Jesus had come to reestablish. And knowing that was a task. The disciples weren't asking Jesus, teach them how to pray because they hadn't prayed. They were asking what made Jesus' prayers effective. Recently, I started watching this TV show. I'm actually obsessed with it. I'm, I've been watching it like rapidly. I can't wait for my husband to watch it with me while we're watching it. Uh, and it's called For All Mankind, a science fiction drama about the space race. Man's efforts to get men to the moon. Now, inevitably, because it's a drama, something goes wrong. Communication with base gets cut off, and the astronauts are left trying to work out the problem and stay on mission. It's a great story, because it's a story we find in Scripture. God is establishing his kingdom on earth. Thank you. Until in Genesis 3, something goes terribly wrong. Communication with God gets cut off and humankind is left wondering how to work out the problem and stay on mission. And so we can look at Matthew 6 as an emergency procedure manual, what to do to get back on course. And to establish this task, we have to pray like Jesus prayed, which means we're going to need the Holy Spirit. See, we need the Holy Spirit's power. The Greek word in scripture used to describe the Holy Spirit is parakletos, which translated means comforter and advocate but also strength and power. And Acts 1.8 tells us you will, 
not maybe, not perhaps, we'll see how it turns out, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power simply means this, the capacity to take effective action, to accomplish goals and make an impact. Holy Spirit power means anointing and authority to live out God's plans and purposes. See, Acts 1.8 is telling us he has given us this power to witness, to do God's will, to be his human agents, to tell the whole world about the Savior, to empower the church, to carry out this commission. That's why we have to take the step back. What's actually going on here? Earlier in Matthew 3, we find the account of Jesus' baptism. In fact, when Jesus says in his prayer, Our Father in heaven, he is pointing to the significant event. Matthew 3 says, When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son and I take delight in it. You ever watch a movie and then all of a sudden the dramatic music comes in and you're like, did I miss something? What happened? And you have to rewind it. This happens to me often when I watch the Packers play and then I hear the crowd cheering and I'm like, what happened? Did I miss it? Did we win? Are we winning? Is it good? And this is that moment here. I wish I could have cued the dramatic music for you because in this scene, we are witnessing the moment, the connection with God being reestablished. Jesus, the actual word made flesh of John 1, the noun and the verb, the conversation and the dialogue, communication himself, the only one who could have reestablished the very dialogue he was teaching us to do when he speaks. Our Father, the one who was with God since creation, through whom all things were made when spoken, opens up a direct connection to God. Cue dramatic music. If we don't know what's happening in Matthew 3, of course we don't understand the significance of Matthew 6, that he had opened up communication, that for hundreds of years we could talk to God, rely on what we knew about God, but we couldn't hear from him directly. And now separation was broken. We had access to him establishing that it is by his Holy Spirit that we too, all of us, have access to direct communication with God. By the Spirit, through prayer, we are now connected and empowered because the purpose of prayer, as Jesus modeled, is kingdom. We need the Holy Spirit's purpose. God's kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven, spoken by the word, Jesus himself, begins with his Holy Spirit descending on us to complete what had been disrupted, the commission of Genesis 1, 28, to live connected in intimate relationship with God and to be fruitful and multiply his kingdom. See, the travesty of sin is all the ways that we have been separated, fragmented, broken when it comes to our connection with God, our disassociation from ourselves and distance from one another in relationship. Since Genesis, our downfall and desolation has, is, and will be when we try to live independent from God. Now you may say, well, you know, I believe in him. I come to church all the time. But in what ways do you doubt? In what ways do you worry? In what ways do you read his verse and say, that's not for me? Where is it that you live in disconnection from God? It is when Jesus is asked, what is the most important of the commandments? He tells his disciples, love the Lord with your, your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 
in this verse, Jesus is summarizing all of scripture, God's pursuit to make us whole, to heal us from what has separated us. We were never meant to live this life alone, to do things on our own. So often we operate as if we can figure this out all by ourselves, that Jesus will be proud of us. And he's saying, why don't you let me in? Why don't you let me help you? Why don't you let me finish it? Why are you wearing yourself down without me? You were never meant to do it by yourself. It's why Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, 26, it is the Holy Spirit. Again, we have it right in front of us who intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words, meaning I don't need to understand it because he's going to do it for me and with me. See, Jesus reestablished the connection, but the Holy Spirit is the connector. And if we cut ourselves off from the Holy Spirit, that line is not going to be working for us. You can pray and remind yourself of who God is, but do you want what the Holy Spirit has to offer? Direct access to the heavens, direct access to God's kingdom, not just for one day and it'll be in a, when we get to heaven, but for today on earth as it is in heaven. See, I've been deep in the study of help and healing this year. I wanted to learn all the nuts and bolts of the science and the neuroscience. And what I found fascinating is at the end of it all, while neuroscience can explain the mechanics and provide technology that can give us the proof of how our brain and our body and our heart work, neuroscience will still concede. It's in the book. Dr. Siegel himself says that we have to concede that there is an inexplicable phenomenon of integration and interconnectedness that cannot be explained by science. In other words, we've identified the parts, but we still can't define the catalyst. We as believers acknowledge and confess that in addition to our physical selves, we are spiritual beings, souls, citizens of the kingdom of God, which is spiritual. And it is only through prayer in and by the spirit that we are shaped and strengthened by the spirit through the renewing of our mind in prayer. It is in prayer that we are healed, interwoven, integrated, made home through connection, communication, and relationship with God. Jesus is telling us that the only antidote for the detrimental impacts of this broken world is to pursue God's presence in a posture of prayer. And we need the Holy Spirit's posture because it's not what you might think. See, prayer establishes expectation that alters our perception so that we can see the realization. I'm going to say that again because I have to hear it. Prayer establishes expectation that alters your perception. Lift up your eyes to the heavens so that you can see the realization, meaning it is happening. Are you seeing it? It acknowledges that in verse 11 of Matthew 6 that our posture is a dependence on the spiritual kingdom of God. Give us our daily bread. It declares that our spiritual well-being impacts our physical well-being. That when we have physical needs, that we can rely on the spiritual to provide those physical things as well. That something supernaturally happens when we connect ourselves to heaven itself. It's what neuroscience would call the impact of our reticular activating system. I love using science terms. If you want to look it up, you can. <laughs> but all it basically means is a bundle of nerves at the base of our brain that filters and focuses what we see. And as much as we work on the mental, emotional, and physical focus of our mind, which is what we need to do, that is our part, our perspective. We pray so that we mold our spiritual sight as well so that we can see a visible and tangible demonstration of God's power and provision from the spiritual in the natural world. 
Too many of us are living in postures of defeat. Discouragement, doubt, disappointment, distraction have us cowering in a defensive posture rather than in the offensive posture of the Holy Spirit. While prayers of comfort that heal, restore, and bind up are necessary. And we must pray them with fervor and with empathy and compassion. We also need to proactively pray what I like to call stand-down prayers. Prayers that declare, that set free, that take authority. Prayers that are flooded with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Discouragement, stand down today. Disappointment, stand down today. Doubt, stand down today. Sickness, stand down today. You do not believe in, belong in God's kingdom, and I belong to God's kingdom. Second Corinthians 10 tells us the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine Holy Spirit power to demolish strongholds. Too many of us are cowering back, going, oh no, here comes the warfare. Oh no, here comes the thing again. I'm just going to have to bear down and brace for it. It says, we, who's we? Remember Matthew 3, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and now me. Demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we take captive, offensive posture, stand down prayers, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you've been trying to figure it out on your own, by your own strength, by your own abilities, by yourself, you will always be at a disadvantage. There is no substitute for God's spirit. None. You will never manifest what only God can provide. Which is why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was a man of prayer committed to dwelling in God's presence, which produced supernatural results. He showed us the power of prayer, healing, deliver, deliverance, and transformation. And when Jesus instructs the disciples on how to pray, he tells them in verse 6 to go to their inner rooms, their secret place, and he modeled it. And Luke says he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. See, after spending time in the presence of God, because he had prayed, the atmosphere he carried as an ambassador of God produced God's kingdom here on earth through miracles, signs, and wonders. Have you been watching for miracles, signs, and wonders? What has your prayer set an expectation for? Do you need to refine your perspective a little more? Because kingdom prayers cultivate spiritual authority in us where we make room for the power and purpose and posture and presence of the Holy Spirit, we too can walk as ambassadors, landmarks, as pastor told us. It's where we submit to God's authority. We will never get on board with God's mission if we do not know him. I sure won't. And we come to know him by doing four things in prayer. We listen. We listen to him in the word. We listen to him in worship. We listen to him in sermons. We listen in to him in the very creation, in the wind, in the trees, and the sunsets that happen every single day. And then we meditate on him, which is basically listening to ourselves, listening to him. And we're listening for all the ways that we do not agree with what his word says, where we have doubt and apprehension, and where we disagree with God's word and his plans and purposes for us so that we can conversate with God. This is the who, why, what, where, when, God. I need to know these things so I understand better what the plan is so that we can experience God. Have you experienced God yet? This is the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
See, in Acts 9, Paul's experience is described as a voice and a light from heaven. Ooh, Matthew 3 again, isn't it? That flashed around him so he could gain sight and he filled up with the Holy Spirit. It is in the inner room that the upper room experiences are formed and cultivated. We're never going to feel that upper room experience like the disciples did when his spirit descended if we don't cultivate the inner room. Because the inner room is where God works in us so he can work through us. If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to make room, get rid of the clutter that wants to take up occupancy there. It's where the spiritual authority in us is strengthened. See, when it comes to spiritual warfare, and I've heard a lot of you talking about it, it's in the inner room that we come to know that when it comes to light and darkness, when it comes to heaven and hell, it is not an even match. Stop acting like it can overcome you and overtake you. It is not equal. God rules. God overcomes. God is power and authority. Jesus said, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Humankind is the only one that God granted power and authority and dominion to on earth in Genesis 1. If you have been feeling outmatched because you have been trying to do it all on your own, by your own physical mind, heart, and strength, you are being deceived by the same lie that took out Adam and Eve in the garden, the lie that said that when it came to our spiritual selves, that we were limited. But Jesus says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's where our spiritual territory is expanded. When we extend our capacity for the Holy Spirit, we extend spiritual authority. See, some of you are fighting for ground, not because you're losing ground, but because God is trying to expand your territory right now. As your territory expands, so must your prayer life. It's not enough to gain territory. It's important to maintain it. God has given each of you an area of influence, the way you were uniquely created to reflect his image and bring his kingdom to earth. And I love how 2 Corinthians says it in the message. We're not making outrageous claims here. We're sticking to the limits of God and what he has set for us. There can be no question that those limits reach to and for you. And finally, the inner place is where God's kingdom promises are realized. In Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness. Where in your life do you need the shaking of the Holy Spirit to break strongholds? Where do you need the Holy Spirit's boldness to start praying stand down prayers? I think I quote Frederick Buckner every time I'm up here, but he said this, we do well not to pray the Lord's prayer lightly. It takes guts to pray it at all. To speak those words is to invite the tiger out of the cage to unleash a power that makes atomic power look like a warm breeze. <laughs> if we want effective, transforming, healing prayers that result in visible, intangible demonstrations of God's kingdom, then we have to start praying like Ephesians tells us to at all times in the spirit. And I'm going to close with this. A few months ago, I had a vision for God's church. And in it, he showed me a fork in the road. One road climbed up into a glorious fortified city, the city of God, God's kingdom here on earth. And the other road went to low places around the city. Behind me, the road was blocked. There was no turning back. And a man stood at the fork of the road and he said to me this, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. 
Now, some of us have been stuck at that fork trying to go back. But God is saying, there is no going back. That season is done. Whether you've been longing for it or you've been hoping that it would just let you go already because it's been tough, he is declaring to you today that it is finished. Others have been circling around the low world, around the lowly places, not ready to trust God yet. I can't be sure after all I've been through that I can trust you. I don't know if I can reach out and actually touch heaven like you say. You've been caught in a cycle of trauma, disappointment, and despair of the years you have suffered. But God is telling you this time for his kingdom is now. It's here because the world needs him and that only comes by his spirit. Are you ready? Are you ready for God's kingdom to come in and through you? That's the story of salvation. Jesus came to unlock the door so we could have direct access to God. The one who calls us his, who made us in his image, who gives us a purpose and a calling and a place in his kingdom that no one and nothing can separate us from. We're going to need the Holy Spirit. Will you receive him today? With every eye closed and head bowed, If you need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, will you raise your hand? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. With every eye closed and head bowed, repeat this prayer with me then. Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want your power. I want your presence. I want your promises all over my life to heal me, make me new, be my Lord, be my savior, in Jesus' name. Now I'm gonna pray for all the rest of my friends if you bow your head. Father in heaven, teach us to pray, to engage in the intimacy you called us to, to have your mind, your heart, your hands, your feet. May we from this day forward pursue your presence through prayer, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.